you found the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Here's the host, Bill Spone. Hello and welcome back to the Building HVAC Science Podcast, where it's our goal to create better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance technicians by helping the professions understand each other. Understanding. Brett Dillon is a person that helps you understand things. And the best way to describe Brett, the guest on our podcast today, is to quote his LinkedIn profile. This is Brett speaking. I'm an entrepreneur, intensely curious. I transform industries because I see connections that others don't. Relentlessly pursue better ways of doing things, then use my influence to affect the desired change. An international award-winning former home builder, pro wrestler, security consultant, and surveillance operative, I lead our team to provide unique and elegant solutions. So in this podcast, Brett will describe how he's weaving together existing advanced methods for energy rating using a different approach. Listen in as this intellectual ferret describes how his company aims to help clients build better businesses that build better lives. You'll find some links to learn more about the Building Science Institute and Brett in the show notes. Okay, let's take it away and listen to Brett talk about the future of energy ratings. Talk about a lot of things at Building HVAC Science and our podcast and the building part of it, building new construction. And then how do you determine how well a building is performing? Our guest today is Brett Dillon from BSI, and he's going to describe how he's built a system. But let's just get into the conversation right now. Good morning, Brett. (laughs) Good morning, Bill. (laughs) Brett, for our listeners, get a mix of listeners on this podcast. So I'd like you to give your background, where you came from to the point now that you've created the Building Science Institute. I know that's going to take a while. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I guess the easiest way to talk about it is the last 20 some years. So I was a fourth generation home builder. And my last construction job as a home builder, I was the construction director for Habitat for Humanity affiliate in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I'd gone to a conference And there was this crazy lady talking to us about how to build better homes. And I was the guy in the front row with my arms folded. By the way, if you ever see me with my arms folded now, it's not because of any bad body language issues that I'm trying to convey. It's because I've had both my shoulders jacked up in fights, but from previous work that I used to do. But anyway, so this crazy lady is up there and I'm sitting in the front row with my arms folded and listening to Janet McElvain spout off all this nonsense about advanced framing and all this HVAC stuff. And I was challenging her very vocally. And she pulled me aside during one of the breaks. She came up and she said, go look at one of the houses that you built 10 years ago and tell me how well it's holding up. Now, as a Habitat for Humanity affiliate, the home buyers, they pay mortgages on the home. And we had just repossessed a house that was built 10 years earlier because the homeowner was making a choice between her mortgage payment and her utility payment. And I hadn't built that house, so I could go through there with a super critical eye. And I did. And when I got into the bathroom, I started to go through the floor because we were building crawl space houses. I started to go through the floor and I jumped back and I hit the drywall and I went through the drywall. So you're saying when you went through the floor, you weren't examining it and looking at it in detail. You actually- My foot started to go through it. it. In on you. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this is a bad deal. And then I went through the drywall and the drywall was rotten and it was horrible. And what hit me like a punch in the gut was that we were building the houses just down the street exactly the same way. Not much had changed. Nothing had changed. 
And so I called Janet up and I said, Janet, I have to eat a giant crow pie. (laughs) What do I do? And she was so gracious and pointed me in the right directions to the people that I could learn from and the resources that I could access and I could learn from. And then we transformed the way that affiliate built in six months. And 2001, we were awarded one of 16 international awards for energy efficiency construction by Habitat for Humanity International. Congratulations. And well, I didn't do it. It was my team. I have a habit of deliberately picking people who are opposed to me. So I had been the assistant construction director and then the construction director got fired and they went through a series of interim construction directors. And finally, the executive director said, all right, tag, you're it. And the day that I was announced as being the construction director, the four top volunteers, three of whom served on the board of directors, went into her office and told her I had no business on a construction job site because I was talking the same language that Janet McElvain was. They went to her. Those four key volunteers, I put in super key positions. They became my sounding board. I went to them and I said, here's what we're going to do. You guys are representing the volunteers from my side. I'm going to create a construction board. And on that construction board, I put everybody on there who could possibly say no to our projects. I had the chief building official on there for the city. I had people from the regional planning agency. I had people from the city's urban design center. I had my four key volunteers on there. It's like on the job site, you work for me. In there, I work for you. And before we implement anything, here's the ground rules. Before we implement any of these things, I'm going to propose it. I have to give you enough evidence that you're confident that it meets certain criteria or we don't do it. And I subjugated myself to that construction board and we got incredible buy-in and it was just huge. That's how we managed to transform the affiliates construction practices. So we did that and it was amazing. Everything worked great. And of course, then I got fired, but I got fired because I didn't want to build in a swamp. We had the opportunity to get 40 some lots and all connected and we could build an entire subdivision, but it was all in swampland. And that's why the lots were really cheap. And the executive director had an engineering study done and spent like $300,000 on this engineering study. And they said, here's what it'll take. And to build in there, we'll just have to elevate all these lots. So all these lots are going to be, every house is going to be built on its own little mound and we're going to have all this drainage stuff in there. So I said, don't build in swamps, period. I don't care what you do. First of all, it's going to cost more money than you think. Don't do this. It's a bad idea. I know what the engineers came up with the cost estimate, but I'm a builder. I know that what's going to happen. This is not going to work the way you think it is. No plan survives first contact. So get ready for that. And then after we had one of the typical Chattanooga, it's like 53 inches of rain a year. We had one of the typical big, it happens about every two, three, four years, big rainstorm. And one of the parks on the riverbank was flooded and all the rest of this. And I drove over there and all you could see was the very tops of the mounds of all these, where these houses were going to go, all the streets, everything was completely underwater. So I took pictures of that. I was like, this is what happens. Yeah. Island homes. Don't build in swamps. These houses should come with a boat, give them a canoe or something. So that was your seminal moment, which maybe set you on a path, would you say? I started my own consulting company and ended up going to work for South Face Energy Institute. And I was the regional Earthcraft House program manager taking, I was the traveling evangelist for green building for South Face. And then I left South Face and went to work for Chattanooga Neighborhood Development or Neighborhood Enterprises, which is an urban revitalization developer in Chattanooga. And I integrated the quality management component into their construction programs 
for revitalizing neighborhoods. And that was fascinating, writing construction specifications and then enforcing construction specifications on builders who had been building houses however they wanted to. (laughs) And it was like, nope, that's not the way this works. And getting all the builders on board and all the trade contractors on board and working with them so that they understood the importance of the work that they did, as well as the placement in the chain of events that takes place. Here's where your work fits in. And this is why your work is so important because these people have to do this and these people before you had to do that. So they knew their place in the ecosystem and they understood how vital their work was. And then just off we go. And then I left there and started my own consulting company again. And then I got hired as a consultant to create an energy rating company in San Antonio, Texas for a client. So I did that. And then after I did that, they kept bringing me back and kept bringing me back for more work, more work. And they kept throwing more numbers at me to get me to move and run the company. I left it up to my kids. My kids voted and my wife. I didn't vote. Had a meeting at Joe Mugg's coffee shop in a bookstore and said, here's the deal. I'm going to take a pay cut. Here's what I can learn from this guy. It's up to you guys. You guys vote. I'm out. And we had four boys. The oldest boy was going into his senior year in high school, and he would have been the valedictorian. And every one of the boys said, move to Texas. My wife said, don't move to Texas. And I said, you got outvoted. Wow. So (laughs) we packed up, moved to Texas, and we've been here ever since. And I ran the energy rating company, and we were a ResNet QA provider and a training provider. And then I bought, I left there for a little bit to become the technical director for Texas Hero and wrote an energy audit standard for existing homes for Texas Hero, which then got transformed into ACA Standard 12, which is fascinating in its own little quirky way. And then we went back and I ended up buying my business partner out and running that company. And then I served on the training and education committee for ResNet. I served on, when I got elected to the board of directors, I was chair of the technical committee. And then in 2012, we became an ANSI standards development organization. So I chaired SDC 300, which was responsible for the technical standards. And for a while, we were running a technical committee for the MinHERS standards, as well as SDC 300 for ANSI standards. And I said, let's screw this because that's duplicative work. Let's just have one standards development committee that does both. And so we got that passed by the board, which I think was the first time the board had ever dissolved a standing committee. And then I served on the standards management board, uh, chaired SDC 300. And then in 2017, I resigned from the standards management board, just focused on SDC 300. And at the end of 2017, I decided not to run for re-election for my board seat. And the entire process I was in that deeply involved, I was writing these papers about what the industry could be like, because I'm not clairvoyant, but I can see the possibilities in the future. And I know that when the future gets here, it's not going to be the one I wanted, but I can see there is a clear path forward. And I was writing all these papers and co-authoring papers with folks like Clinton Hine. And then we tried to get out of the energy rating industry entirely. I'd been burned out by all this stuff. And so our clients kept asking us to do something, to build that future that they had bought into that vision. And we were trying to find a home for it because I offered this to ResNet and we didn't go anywhere with it. They couldn't see it. And so I shopped it around after I left ResNet. I shopped it around to other organizations and they couldn't find a business model that would work for them. They couldn't do this. They couldn't do that. There's all these constraints that they were facing and they just didn't get it. 
And so I almost gave up. And then our clients came in and said, please, just you do it. And so last year, we made the decision in May to create the Building Science Institute, BSI. And then we knew exactly what we needed to do. We needed to get approved by the Energy Star New Homes Program as a home certification organization. And so we started working on that in June. And then July, we submitted our application. And then we went to, I mean, the EPA's process is super rigorous. I mean, super rigorous. We would argue about the meaning of a word. And I was like, well, here's the dictionary. <laughs> because everybody filters things through their own. And I learned a long time ago from Peter Drucker that we think we're communicating, but we're not. Communication always happens in the ears of the recipient. Because it goes into their ears and then their brain massages the information into something they can recognize. And then they go, okay, all we're doing is making sounds. And then they go, okay, now I think I know what this means, but we don't know that they've taken the same meaning that we have. And so we would dice it until we got, like, we're all on the same page about this meaning. We would change this word to that word because that made them happy and it was brutal. And then of course we had to use a new software tool and that was its own interesting journey because I'd written this paper with Clinton Heinbeck in 2015 about ResNet's future as a facilitated network and their opportunities for disruptive innovation. And I co-wrote this with Clinton Hine. At the beginning of this paper, I wrote a short story, fictional story about a raider in the future that went out to do an energy rating. There was a remote field QA happening at the same time through a head-mounted camera. And, and this was in 2015. I was writing about this remote field QA and integrated scheduling, energy modeling, and inspection application. He's using his tablet. He's scanning barcodes on HVAC equipment. It's auto-populating the data fields. It's getting pushed right into the thing, a cloud-based calculation engine that takes that information, puts it all together, produces the energy rating index, and off we go. At the time, of course, it was the HERS index because... We literally didn't have an energy rating index, basically. ANSI 301-2014 had just come out. So we had all of that. It was there. These were all pieces that were laying around. It was state-of-the-shelf things that we were talking about. And then, of course, the HVAC testing where it's automated, sensor-based, and this stuff is just flows right through, and the data flows straight through into the app, and, and he's able to do these diagnostics on this and then get into the code officials, even his report, his rating, because there's all these automatic data validation checks that are happening in the background through AI. And it just pushes it straight into the registry. Once it's completed, all these checks are valid. Yep, data is good, goes straight into the registry, instant reporting back to the builders, superintendents, whoever he needs to send it to, and the code officials. And the code officials have complete transparency. They can go look it up. They get notified, hey, this house has been completed. Here's all our reports. And they can immediately go look up and they can literally see into the system and see what's going on if they want. That's what I wrote in 2015. Last year, when I'm searching for a calculation engine, we have to use something other than the ResNet approved tools. We have to use Energy Plus's calculation engine, OSERI. And so I called NREL up and I said, who's working with you guys on this? And they said, well, House Raiders, the farthest along. And I was like, okay. And I called them up. And they said, man, are we glad that, that <laughs> you called us? We want to show you what we've done. Quietly, and I didn't know this, but quietly, they had been paying attention to everything I had been saying over those years and what I'd been writing. 
and they had built this software tool that does scheduling. It even does billing, but it does scheduling. It does billing. It automates all these things that raiders typically, small business owners don't like to do in accounting work. It automates these things. It does scheduling. It does energy modeling through OSERI. It does inspections with where it's required in our system. Of course, we built a quality management system and then they've modified it to fit our system. It requires that if there's an energy model is created off of plans and specifications, the guy out in the field can go to that address. It's on his schedule. He goes to that address, picks, there's the plan, and he starts collecting the data on the house. And he takes the photograph, he records the data, and it's all embedded in the system. From the quality management side, in real time, we can go look at what they're doing at that moment. And we can see as they do work. And we can see like, oh, they're taking these pictures. Oh, look what they've done. At any point in the process of the project, we can see into that. And we don't have any quality management providers. We don't have any software providers. We don't have any training providers. We're the one source for this because that's the best way to get rid of inconsistencies. And so we went through this and they built this app and they continue to work on this app. They're integrating Zero Energy Ready Homes now. So that should be coming out soon for us. And we went through all of this and they had built this. They had gone out on their own and built all of this. And I was stunned because for so long, nobody was picking up on these ideas, but this company did. And then just last week, so I recruited a quality council to serve as the oversight body for our quality management side of things. So I've got Brian Christensen, formerly with Noresco, uh, Rimrate, and now he's with Residential Energy Management Services. I have Amber Wood. She's the director of buildings for the ACEEE. Eric Strait from House Raider. I've got Kevin Burke. He's a retired colonel of military police and decided after he retired to become an energy raider. I told him when he was trying to figure out if that's what he wanted to do, it would be the most fun he ever had while making the least amount of money. And to this day, he reminds me I said that because it's still holding up. <laughs> but then we started recruiting and we've recruited Wes Davis from ACCA. He serves on our quality council. And Wes started talking to me about Measure Quick. And while House Raider was doing all of this stuff on the energy rating side, including the ability for HVAC contractors and installation contractors to upload documentation of their work into our system, I ran into the Measure Quick. And like last week, I finally got off my butt and got a demonstration of Measure Quick. And I was stunned at the capabilities of this. And I can see how easily it can integrate into our system. And we're looking at it for integration into our retrofit home program. So you started to describe the engine you use to base this off of. Can you get into the details there? Yeah. So the House Raider team had been working with, because we needed to use a calculation engine that was based on OSERI. And InRail, when I reached out to them, they told us that House Raider was the furthest along with integrating that into their system. So we reached out to them and OSERI is based on the Energy Plus calculation engine. And they have faithfully implemented all of the equations for ANSI 301 2014, 301 2014 republished in 2016, and 301 2019 with addenda A and B. And then they're going to be, of course, integrating 301 2022. And so I reached out to the House Raider team and they were like, holy cow, we wanted to talk to you about this because they'd been quietly paying attention to all this over the years and they were picking up what I was throwing down and they had built this 
this application that does scheduling, billing, it automates all these things, energy modeling integrated with inspections. And of course, we'd built a quality management system that requires that you go out. They can either start with plans and specs, which go out in the field, in the cloud, and the raider goes out there, does looks, pulls it up, the address and the tablet, and off they go. And they do their inspection and we customize workflows. There's a standard workflow that house raiders figured out over the years of them actually doing energy ratings that works probably best, but it may not fit what people's work style is. So they can customize the workflow and it goes out and it's like, okay, here's the thing. You're inspecting this item, take a picture, enter the data, and then it gets immediately pushed into the calculation engine and it runs its stuff in the background. So if they've got all the data pieces, they could right there at the end of the inspection, submit it. And it goes straight through the QA process. There's over 300 some data validation checks. We even have fraud algorithms built in using Benford's law to detect whether or not people are more or less likely making up numbers. And it doesn't mean that they are, it just means go have a conversation. And the system is completely transparent for us. We can see at any point in that process, we can see exactly what the guy in the field is doing. We can see what the energy modeler is doing. And in our system, we require one field QA per year for the field folks and one QA per year, field QA basically for the software folks. We want to see them do their jobs because there's nothing worse than doing QA work than watching a guy do five blower doors. And yeah, he hasn't forgotten how to do a blower door since the last time I came out here to watch him do a blower door. But in our system, if anything crops up doing our routine quality management work, because there's this constant oversight through the AI, as well as our own interventions, where we literally go in and look at what's happening in the projects and we track all of these things. If anything else crops up, there's an additional field QA. And it's really just designed to figure out like, where in the process have we gone wrong? And how do we fix that? How do we prevent these errors from taking place? That's the whole purpose of our quality management system that we built. It's about helping people become better at what they do. It's all about quality improvements and not just quality improvements for the work that they do, but improving the quality of the business that does that work. On that note, the business consulting, I've known you for quite a while, maybe 15 years, and you've done some business consulting too. I've seen some YouTube videos, other things like that. Where does that stand? Was that a time period you did that, or is that something that continues on? It continues on. My company owns the Building Science Institute. We own, these are all separate LLCs, the Building Science Institute. We own a marketing company, which is where most of our consulting work resides, because it's not just marketing. It's the easiest way to describe it, the Quiadet Group. And we've got research and management consulting over there, and marketing research and all these other capabilities, as well as media production size over there. And then we also own Intellectual Ferret, which is our training company, which is still, as of this moment, a resident training provider under the Dillon Group Inc. So we've never given that up. I was recently having meetings with the CEO of a hospital system, and he called me in to pick my brains for a couple hours, and we still do it. It's fun. <laughs> We're a little more selective about the clients that we take on over there. So it sounds like this is, we were talking before we started about frustration with the status quo and thinking there might be a better way. And it sounds like you had this idea that's been bubbling since 2015, and then you took action on it and you started to build this system. What are some of the elements of them? You talked about, or you alluded to weaving together 
some advanced methods rather than being the creator of all the parts of it. What are some of those methods that you're weaving together at BFI? So we started off, okay, we're all members of, all my team are members of the Quality Standards Partner for the ANSI group, which is the American Society for Quality. So we're all members of ASQ. And so we've been studying quality management for a long time. And so we start off with the basic idea of if there's something out there that already exists, let's take that, modify it to what we need for our purposes and run with it. That's why one of our companies is called Intellectual Ferret. I got nicknamed that by Mike Barsick at South Face Energy Institute because I would see these shiny ideas. I'd see something over here and I'd see something over there and they don't seem to be related, but I'll go grab them, I'll study them, and then I'll figure out a way to combine these things to what I need. And it's better than anything that we've got currently going on. So he nicknamed me an intellectual ferret because I was stealing shiny ideas and hoarding them and then putting together unusual ways to come up with something new. And so when we were asked by our clients last year to build a quality management system and get the HCO recognition from the EPA, I went out there and I thought, well, surely these things exist out there. And sure enough, there's an ISO standard 17020, which governs in requirements for inspection bodies. And it turns out it's an international standard. And some countries have even modified it themselves to do requirements for inspection bodies who perform inspections on buildings for energy certificates. And I thought, well, <laughs> let's take this and modify it. And so we did. And so our quality management system at its core is based on ISO 17020. We had to take that ISO standard language and put it into plain language. And then we looked at ISO 19011, which is the quality auditing guidelines for when you're going to do a quality audit on somebody, how should you do it? And we're like, hey, that thing already exists, 19011, let's grab it. And so we grabbed it and we incorporated it in with 17020. And then, of course, we're using our deep industry knowledge of the energy rating industry, we incorporated all of those requirements in there. We included the ANSI ASQ standard Z1.4 for statistical sampling is included in here in our program because I did the math and we start looking at confidence intervals and all the rest of this. The current system doesn't allow companies to scale up very easily. And so we looked at that and we were like, holy cow, when you do the math on it, it just looks really, really weird. So we use Z1.4 for a statistical sampling. So you've used a lot of acronyms here. I want to make sure the listeners understand all of them. So I'm going to have you backtrack a little bit. You mentioned NREL. Can you describe succinctly what is NREL, N-E-R-E-L? So NREL is the National Renewable Energy Lab. It's a DOE-funded lab that's responsible for a lot of software development for the DOE, as well as being doing a lot of research in renewable energy, of course, it's in their name, and a lot of building science research connected with the Building America program and the Building America teams that are out there doing all that research. Okay. And then you also mentioned you worked at South Face Institute. Can you describe what that is? South Face Energy Institute, which I think they're just go by South Face now, they are probably one of the premier building science-based organizations. They do research and they actually go out and work on projects. So it's real-world applications. And they're based out of Atlanta. They understand the Deep South 
better than anybody else, I think. The built environment aspects of it? The built environment and not just residential, but commercial and not just the construction, but also the development piece. And I can't say enough good things about my time at South Face, even though at the time I was probably, I was one of two carnivores that worked there. Hmm. (laughs) I think if you, a lot of people I know worked at South Face, so the best term is in the breeding ground, but an area where a lot of people go through and you'll find them at different parts of the building science world. A lot of people have some tenure, some time at South Face. Yeah, South Face is like a hothouse. So you go in there and you are put in this very rich environment in which you can learn all kinds of things from all kinds of different people. The diversity there is just huge, not just what we typically think of as being diverse, but diversity in thinking, diversity in disciplines. You might be working with somebody who's just graduated with a degree in architecture. You might be working with an actual architect. You might be working with PEs. You might be working with builders. It's all over. And I worked with a legitimate astrophysicist (laughs) for a while when I was there. And we'd start talking about quantum mechanics and things. It was like, holy cow. But it's such a rich learning environment. And then, of course, they understand that and they really nurture those kinds of cultural aspects of that organization. And it's just incredible. And by the way, when I was working there, I was commuting every day from Chattanooga, Tennessee to Atlanta, Georgia. And that's the kind of commitment that I gave for that organization because that organization believed in me and gave me an opportunity to not just be a home builder. Yeah. And if listeners wanted to learn more about that, they actually do offer training both online and hands-on in person. So southface.org for that. Another acronym you mentioned, which is really central to the topic for BSI, Building Science Institute, is HCO. And that's a recognition you receive from the EPA. I think everyone knows what the EPA is, but what is an HCO? So back in 2020, I think it was, the EPA announced their home certification organization program. And the home certification program Basically, the Home Certification Organization Program provides the quality management structure over the Energy Star New Homes Program. And so there's this rigorous application process that you have to go through. In the 27-year history of the Energy Star New Homes Program, there's only been one. The class before the HCOs came out, when the EPA shifted to the 301-2019 ERI and away from the HERS index, there was only ResNet, and they were called VU, a Verification Oversight Organization. And then 2020, they dropped the VU language and adopted the HCO, Home Certification Organization language, because that fit more in line with all the other certification programs and oversight programs that the EPA offers for the Energy Star program for commercial products and other such things. So there was an alignment internally of the EPA's own structure for quality management in the Energy Star program globally. And so... ResNet applied and they went through the review process. And then we applied. We went through, I considered a rigorous review process. And it was probably more rigorous than what ResNet got because we are such an innovative system. The EPA really wanted to test drive it and really wanted to make sure that this thing works. And it was extremely thorough. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you're very detail oriented <laughs> and you're a very deep thinker. One of the topics I think we might have touched on but didn't delve into was something you said you learned about just last week or got more details on last week? Yeah. So we're always trying to, BSI, we're looking for innovations. We've built something 
basically the future of the energy rating industry that I had predicted in 2015. We've built that mostly. There are pieces still out there that are floating around that it's like, I really would like to get this, really would like to get that. And then last week, Wes Davis at ACCA had been telling me that about Measure Quick. And I was like, okay, that's nice. And then last week, I got a demonstration of Measure Quick. And I was like, this went from that's nice to like, holy crap, <laughs> this is good. I was literally watching on my iPad, I was watching the technician's application and I could see what they were doing and I could see the results and the consequences of what they were doing as they were running all the different tests. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, the system performance as is installed, like what a dream. We're not talking about theory and we're not talking about this is something that it could be based on technical documentation under operating conditions in a lab somewhere else. This is as installed. What is the system actually delivering to that home buyer? What is it delivering to that homeowner? What can the builder count on in terms of performance? And I was looking at it for our retrofit program that we're noodling on right now for retrofit homes, but I could immediately see how this could totally integrate in with our current new construction program as well. And basically like they've done everything that they're supposed to do. They've commissioned the system. What is this system really performing like? And that's, we've got other projects that we're creating for our customers and measure quick. Clearly for us, it seems like a no brainer. It is such a fantastic tool and it speeds up the HVAC contractor's time on the job. It identifies the faults that need to be corrected. And it issues these great reports that says, here's where you are benchmarked against these industry standards. Here's where your system is. And that kind of feedback to the installer is huge. They're not relying on, well, this is the way we've been doing it for 30 years. This is the way you should be doing it. It's like, there it is. It's whistling at you, waving red flags going, hey, this is the real problem. They were telling me it totally cuts down the time. Now we're going to run some ethnographic studies of this to get a better sense of what it is they're actually doing and see what their workflow is and see how we can integrate their outputs into our software program. Well, it's not mine, House Raider software program. And how can we integrate that into the quality management as well so that it's part of this cohesive environment? And we're a firm believer in that collaboration is better than competition. And I've often referred to, I don't really like the idea of competition, although I had been a professional fighter before. I don't like the idea of competition. I like the idea of coopetition. We may have businesses in the same environment, but how can we collaborate to make everything better? And so whenever I see anything, again, going back to the intellectual ferret bit, whenever I see these things, I go, this totally fits into something we can do over here. What's a mutually beneficial relationship that can be created to allow them to do what they need to do and allow us to do what we need to do, but in a way that's better than my idea or their idea. So would you say you have a stated mission for, well, you've got multiple companies here, but is there a collective mission that you're on? Yeah. Our corporate mission at the Dillon Group Inc. is to help our clients build better businesses that build better lives. Because at the end of the day, it's not about actually having a better business. It's about having a better quality of life. However you define that. If you define that drinking Corona on the beach, fantastic. If you define that as more time with your wife and kids, fantastic. If you define that as going to fancy dinners and dances with your partner, we don't care. What is it you define as success in your life? How can we help you? 
And that's basically what we do through all of our different companies. And in the Building Science Institute, it's specifically focused on how do we help energy raters build better companies? Because we know that helps them build a better life, not just for them, but for their employees and for the home buyers that are buying these homes that they've rated. It's the process of the rating that's so important to make sure that the builder delivers what they promise. I tell people, we're not in the energy rating business. We're in the integrity business. And my job is to, and the job of the Building Science Institute is to help the energy raters maintain their integrity. Their job is to help the builders and the trade contractors maintain theirs. So ultimately, the homeowner gets what they paid for. Got it. I think that's a good place to wrap up with the vision and what the ultimate goal is for BSI. Any closing thoughts? Yeah. If anybody wants more information about the Building Science Institute, you can go visit our website, buildingscienceinstitute.org. And if you have any questions about it, reach out to us. We're not a secret. We literally put all of our policies, processes, and procedures. They're all online right there on the website for everybody to see. We also have a resource page. If you click on the home button at the top, and then there's a drop-down menu to go to the very bottom of it, there's resources. You click on that. We've got a ton of resources, and we're putting more resources in there. And if manufacturers have any kind of products and detailed specifications on products, they can feel free to reach out to us and we can incorporate that into our database of resources that we make available for free to whoever's interested. Because we believe in like the democratization of information as much as we possibly can. For example, our database, we share our database with the Green Building database system out of, visit GBR, out of uh, Portland, Earth Advantages system, Green Building Registry. We don't mind sharing our data. We don't mind sharing the information that we have. And so we built this resource for the public to be able to access, and they can go in there and search. And there's all kinds of things that I've accumulated over the years. And so far, we've only put in about, we checked, it was about 8% of the documents that I've collected over the years, and we're constantly adding more to it. It's just a great resource for folks. If they're interested, they can check it out. Very good. I'll put some of those links in the show notes for sure. Brett, good catching up with you again. It's been a little while and hope our audience absorbs this, gets back in touch with you and figures out how this can work in their businesses to help clients build better businesses that build better lives. Thank you again, Brett. Oh, thank you, Bill. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. There are other great trade-related resources and influences out there, including the HVACR School, HVAC Shop Talk, Stephen Reardon, HVAC Reefer Guy, Tool Pros, Service Business Mastery, Quality HVAC, HVACR Overtime, HVACR Videos, Craig Migliaccio's AC Service Tech, and Grayson Corbett Lunsford of HomeDiagnosis.tv. I also host the Res Talk podcast where you can learn more about home energy ratings and peripheral topics on that podcast too. The Building HAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. I want to thank you for listening in and hope you'll come back to the Building HAC Science Podcast next time. Take care.